Hello, and welcome to the Accountability Coach Podcast, where we discuss proven business success principles related to helping you make more money and work less so you can enjoy having your ideal business and your ideal life. And Backrack here. Today, I have a super special guest and friend with us today who I think you will find to be a wealth of knowledge around helping us accelerate our results in business and in life. You know, the New York Times has referred to him as one of the top three business gurus, so we are in for a treat to learn what he has to share with us. Daniel Burris is considered one of the world's leading futurist speakers on global trends and disruptive innovation. Dan has established a worldwide reputation for his exceptional record of accurately predicting the future of technology-driven change and its direct impact on the business world. He is a strategic advisor to executives from Fortune 500 companies, helping them to develop game-changing strategies based on his proven methodologies for capitalizing on technology innovations and their future impact. He's the author of seven books, including the New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestseller, Flash Foresight, as well as the international bestseller, Technotrends, and the Anticipatory Organization. Now, I could spend a lot more time sharing all of his accomplishments or get right into picking his super smart brain. So let's dive right in. Welcome, Dan. I'm super excited to have you join us. Oh, thank you. It's really a pleasure to be with you, and especially because I've actually been a longtime fan of you and your work. So it's exciting for me to be with you. <laughs> You're too kind. I love it. There's an old saying that there are only two certainties about the future, death and taxes. So how can people learn how to anticipate change and disruption in a world that's filled with increasing uncertainty? Well, that's a great question. And I have talked to so many CEOs, Fortune 5 CEOs, Fortune 10 CEOs, not to mention small and mid-sized business. And they know I'm a futurist, right? And one of the first things they say is, well, of course, it's impossible to predict the future and be right. And I, 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 some, I might say, for example, well, let's see, it is uh, summer, next will be fall. I think I'll be right. And uh, what I'm giving them, of course, is an example of a cycle. So economists use cyclical change and its predictability to predict the future. And of course, we've got uh, weather cycles, business cycles, biological cycles. There's, there's even sales cycles. And by the way, as an entrepreneur and business person who started six companies, I like to have the sale completed before the cycle begins. In other words, we can use cycles to our advantage because they tend to repeat. Stock market goes up. Well, will it go up forever? No, it'll go down. Will it go down forever? No, it'll go back up again. Uh, and Warren Buffett has used that cycle uh, really well. He buys when everyone else is selling and afraid, and he sells when everyone else is buying. So again, we use cycles. Trouble is, and is that economists have been increasingly wrong. And why is that? Because there's another kind of change that used to be very slow and therefore economists didn't bother with it, but now it's changing how you and I do everything. And I would call that kind of change, first of all, it's not a cycle that repeats and goes back and forth, kind of like a pendulum. It is a one way, which means it's linear, not cyclical, 
but it's driven by exponential technology. And once you get a smartphone, you're not going back to a dumb phone. It's not a cycle. Once people in India get refrigeration for their home, uh, they're not going to say, we don't need refrigeration anymore. Let's go back. Or when people in China park their bicycle and get a car, they're not going back to the bike. So all of these have actually a lot of predictable problems that we could pre-solve or let them play out and opportunities. So the first thing I want to share with uh, all of us is that uh, there are actually two types of change that let you look beyond death and taxes. For example, going back to cycles, can an astronomer tell you in the year, well, let's go way out to 2050 in March, exactly when we'll have a full moon? Well, of course they can. In other words, there are actually hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of things that are very predictable. So the more you open your mind to predictability, the more you find something really powerful. And that is certainty in a very uncertain world. And let's face it, what's going to happen with inflation? What's going to happen with uh, retail? Uh, what's going to happen with Amazon? What's going to happen with your home price? What's going to happen with our small business? Uh, what's going to happen with my investments? Strategy based on uncertainty as high risk. On the other hand, personal and business strategy based on certainty has low risk. So how do you find certainty in an uncertain world? And uh, this is based on coming up on 40 years of research. And what I'm about to share with you is being used by the Pentagon. It's being used by the big companies like Google's and others. But it's also being used by small business owners as well to gain amazing competitive advantages. And that is looking at trends with my methodology. And I'll just take a few minutes to outline that, give you some examples, and then I'll let you ask me some questions. That way I've laid out a format for our discussion. So there's no shortage of trends. Matter of fact, uh, it's easy to predict, right? When are we going to get a new list of trends? Right around the end of December, beginning of January each year. See, actually, the future is quite predictable. So the problem isn't trends. we got plenty of them. The problem is which ones will happen and when. And I've come up with a way of working that out. All trends are either what I call hard trends based on a future fact that will happen. And by the way, that means it cannot be stopped. And the advantage of a hard trend is it lets you see disruption before it disrupts. And that turns disruption into a choice. It lets you see problems before you have them. So you can pre-solve them. I mean, how many times have we all said, well, I knew that would happen. And I would say, well, then why did you let it? So hard trends gives you some very powerful binoculars into the future. The other type of trend is soft trends. And soft trends are trends that are not based on a future fact that will happen. Instead, it's based on an assumption that may or may not happen. And the problem we have is too many people think those soft trends are hard and end up in trouble. So the advantage of a soft trend, because I love them both, is a soft trend, if you don't like it, you can change it. So let me give you a quick example of a soft trend, and then I'll give you some examples of a hard trend, and then I'll uh, let you ask me some questions. Uh, soft trend, let, or hard trend. Let's see, how about the rising healthcare costs in the United States? Healthcare costs have been going up and up for a long, long time. By the way, that's a trend. And 
uh, politicians seem to think, and on both sides, seem to think it's a hard trend, unstoppable. And when you think something is unstoppable, you come up with strategies on how to deal with it. So our healthcare payment strategies is what we come up with. How do we change how we pay for it? How do we do insurance? How do we do that to, uh, to deal with this unstoppable increasing cost of healthcare? The reality is it's actually a soft trend. If you don't like it, you can change it. And if you realize it's a soft trend, then you look at, well, one thing you could look at is technology. For example, we could use blockchain, uh, which is uh, secure, it is transparent, uh, and gives you all sorts of uh, uh, ways of getting visibility into something that isn't visible. And if we use blockchain for healthcare, you'd find out that that aspirin in the hospital costs 25 bucks. And if you knew that, you'd have your spouse bring it. You'd find out that that new knee you're having put in because you played sports too much, uh, that knee, same size, made by the same exact company, can vary in price by over 100% in the same hospital system. Well, you didn't know that. There's a lot of stuff we don't know. And when it becomes visible, all of a sudden, what happens? Prices start coming down because competition starts going up. And uh, you can't get away with charging those kind of prices. So there, by the way, there's already a blockchain for healthcare and its early funding got $100 million. So obviously that's going to happen. We could do a lot. So soft trends, don't like them, you can change them. By the way, if you've got a growth plan for your small business, is that a hard trend or a soft trend? Well, of course it's soft, that's not a future fact. You need to have some strategies to make sure it will happen. You think you're going to be going down and your industry will be going down because of potential recessions and inflation. Well, you can write it down like every one of your competitors, or you can realize, well, actually that's soft. I could do something about it. I can actually make more money now if I do something different. So the beautiful part about a soft trend is it's not a future fact. Don't like it. You can change it. You can take advantage of it. So I said I'd give you some examples of some hard trends. There's three categories. One is technology. And uh, let's face it, it's uh, at, we went from 4G wireless. Now we have 5G wireless. Is that it? Well, no, we're going to have 6G followed by 7G. And we're putting a lot in the cloud. Well, is the cloud getting full? No, we're going to be putting more in the cloud. And uh, so in other words, technology is amazingly predictable. I've been doing it for decades with very accurate predictions. We'll talk more about that if you want in the question and answer time uh, when I give you a little bit of a uh, chance to ask some questions in here. So technology is one of the categories, very predictable, and it gives you amazing opportunities. Secondly is demographics, another very predictable. For example, in the United States, there's 68 million baby boomers. And by the way, some of us have heard the number 78 million baby boomers in the US, but actually 10 million have already passed away. So we'll just, we'll have to go with the real numbers. So we got 68 million baby boomers. By the way, hard trend, they're gonna get older. They're not gonna chronologically get younger. And we could predict a lot about the future, a lot of problems we could pre-solve, a lot of opportunities we could see. And let me give you a quick example of being an entrepreneur and using hard trends and using certainty to invent something that will work and it doesn't exist today. So let's look at the fact that uh, uh, when you get in your late 80s, 90s, what happens? 
people fall. And when they fall, what happens is they can break their hip, they can break a bone, they can do all kinds of things that can either cause death or a lot of serious injury, pain, and, and so on, and long recoveries. And we've got an aging population. We're going to have a lot more people in that age bracket. So what could we do to take advantage of that? Well, let's take a look at the technology hard trends that are taking place. You could right now, and I'm going to describe something that doesn't currently exist, you could create a little small rubberized thing that fits around any shoe very easily, around the bottom of it. And in the front is a little sensor. It could be the size of a fly's eye. That's small right now, currently, and 3D printed if you wanted to do it. And it would be wirelessly connected to a hearing aid. And by the way, if you don't wear a hearing aid, it, one will come with the device. And what does it do? Well, when you're walking, it will, if there's a step down, it'll say step down. If it says, if there's step up or uh, object in the way so that you know you can walk around it or maybe Johnny's toy is in the way. That alone could save millions and millions of dollars and a lot of pain and suffering. Now that product currently, nothing like that exists right now. Now, let me ask everyone that's listening to this. Would you say, well, we're not gonna see anything like that? Of course you wouldn't say that. Why? Because you know if it can be done, it will be done when it comes to technology. And if you don't do it, someone else will. That will happen. What if you did that with your business? What if you use that kind of process to look at your customers' predictable future needs? What if you did that in your planning process? So I mentioned two categories so far, demographics, huge, uh, really big. Um, another quick example of an aging population might be a lot of people have to go boating. And as uh, as they get older in their 80s and 90s, it gets kind of hard to launch the boat. Well, what if we created the easy launch trailer for seniors? Would we have a built-in, predictable, growing market every year? Well, of course, we know they we know how populations are aging. As a matter of fact, we'd even know where to export it. Japan, aging population, good place to export to. Canada, aging, good. Mexico, no, it's not aging. They've got a younger population. I won't go there, but I will go to China. They've got an aging population. That one child thing didn't work out all that great. So my point is, wow, I could get a low risk loan instead of a low risk business just around that because it's a growing need every year and it doesn't exist. By the way, will we see something like that or will we never see something like that? I think we all know if it can be done, it will be done. We will see something like that because the opportunity is growing, mounting, and too great. The third category of hard trend is, now this will kind of freak you out a little bit, government regulations. Yeah. Elon Musk, every business he started was funded by government regulations because he did what most of us don't do. When we see a new regulation, we don't like it. We look at all the things we don't like. It's such a big list, we never get done. But in my book, Flash Foresight, in my latest book, Anticipatory Organization, I talk about how opposites work better. So instead of looking at what you don't like, which means that'll be an endless list and you'll just get upset, start with what do you like, where's the opportunity? Let me give you a quick example from San Diego. 
a young uh, teacher, 27 years old, several years ago, noticed a real law that was passed in California. This is a true law that said within three years, half of the reading of kindergartners and first graders has to be nonfiction. Now, you got three years to do it. That's a real law. And when you hear that, what do you what do you say to yourself? So you say, uh, "Ooh, it's California." Or you say, ah, oh, why are they doing that? Aren't they, don't they have more important things to do and you can get all upset? But this teacher did something else. She made three phone calls. She called the San Diego School District, the Los Angeles School District, the San Francisco School District. And she said, you got three years to get half of the reading for those little kids to be nonfiction. And right now it's 100% fiction. The little engine that could is fiction. So what if I helped you to provide those books? And they said, great, we didn't know how we'd do it. Now, to make a long story short, they underwrote her starting her own business, and she didn't have to go on Shark Tank. So can you predict future regulations, or is that impossible given all that's going on with politics? And the answer is, yeah, you just can't predict it all. For example, will we get more regulation around cybersecurity? Well, yeah, because there's some hard trends at play we politicians can't ignore. There's some other ones that they can debate. So actually, what I want as a business owner, as a small business owner, which I know many of us are, I want a list of things that I do know, that I am certain about, those hard trends shaping the future and the related opportunity. I want a list of things I can do, not a list of things I can't do. I want to be able to take action. So three, three categories, hard trends based on future facts. I've just taught you all two key things, and then I'll see if Anne has some questions. The one thing I taught you, all trends are either a hard trend based on a future fact or a soft trend based on an assumption. And the second thing I taught you that's really important is a trend by itself, frankly, is boring, who cares? Until you attach an actionable opportunity. And when you tie an opportunity to a trend, it bursts into actionable life. All right, I just threw out a whole bunch of things, and uh, what what would you like to ask? <laughs> Dan, I love listening to you because it's so it's it's actually so informational, so informative, so inspiring. Even it's it's just really good information. So let's just start with maybe something a little bit smaller. You know, we all have problems, we all have issues that come up. We're all busy, right? I'm using air quotes. We're all busy doing something. And whatever we have going on at times might even seem impossible to solve. So what approaches do you have for us to help us really get unstuck, you know, solve these issues, problems, so we can actually accelerate our success? Well, I've had to deal with that quite a bit myself personally. I mean, I have written seven books and you know, I do consulting and so on, but I've started six companies. Uh, five were profitable in the first year. Four were national leaders in the first year. They were in different industries. And I'll tell you right now that one of the, I use the principles I'm teaching here, but when it comes to problems and being too busy, here's some insights. First of all, why didn't a taxi driver think of Uber? Why didn't Marriott think of Airbnb? And it's real simple. They were busy doing what they've always done. Today, in today's world of beyond exponential change, you can busy yourself right out of business. 
So you need to make sure you're spending a little time being strategic and making sure that your plans are not static plans that are fixed because let's face it, every company that has failed, every business that has experienced a major downturn had a plan. Problem is it was a static plan. It wasn't a dynamic plan. We can come back on that if you'd like a little later. Um, but the, um, but getting to problems, number one problem is being too busy. I don't want to be too busy. But number two is a strategy that I write about. It's in my books and learning systems. And that is whatever problem you've got, think of your big one right now. Whatever problem you've got, that's not it. That's why you're stuck. That's why you can't solve it. You're working on the wrong one. You need to get down and dig down to find out what the real problem is, which is completely and totally solvable. I have never met a problem at any level, and I'm an advisor to the Department of Defense. I work with, again, companies that are facing major problems and governments, and I've known for solving impossible problems. Well, how do I do that? Well, I know whatever problem they got, that's not it. So I'm telling you right now, whatever your problem is, that's not it. That's why you're stuck. You got to get unstuck. You got to drill down just a little bit to get to what the real one is. Let me give you a simple example and then a more complex example. A simple example is uh, my niece, Hallie. She's got her first job. Her older sister's been working for a while now, and Hallie can't save any money. She just can't save anything. And But she knows it's possible. Somehow her older sister can save money like crazy, but Hallie can't save money. So I was talking to her on the phone, and she said, Uncle Dan, you know, I just, I've been working at trying to save money, but I just can't save any money. And I said, well, that's because you're working on the wrong problem, Hallie. I'd like you to work on how you spend your money. If you change how you spend your money, you'll be saving it by default. You see, she was working on the wrong thing. That's a quick example. I call it the skip it principle, how to take your problem and skip it. And one of the ways is to determine what the real one is. Let me give you a little more complex one. Uh, when I first met uh, the CEO of one of the largest drug companies, uh, and I'll even tell you who it was. This was a number of years ago, Eli Lilly. Whenever I meet a CEO for the first time, I always ask them what's their biggest problem. Why? Because I know whatever they say, that's not it. I already know that. Why? Because they're smart. They got a big company. They can, they can solve these problems. They got PhDs working for them. Some of them have Nobel laureates working for them. You can't think, you mean they can't solve it? Give me a break. There is something else deeper now. And what he said was, well, I need to hire 4,000 PhD researchers. I need to do it quickly, but it's expensive. Our stock is down right now and I don't have the money. That's my biggest current problem right now. And I said, well, I knew that wasn't it. So I said, why do you need to hire these 4,000 researchers? And he said, well, we're a drug company and to develop a new drug, we have to uh, do molecular research. And then we have to, uh, get that into a drug, it raises our stock price when we have more in the pipeline, and then we're doing well. Right now, our pipeline is low. We don't have the molecular solutions that we need at the molecular level. We figure we need 4,000 to get things beefed up again and to get us flying, because we're one of the biggest drug companies. And I said, oh, okay, well, why don't we skip hiring all those researchers? Let's skip that altogether. I said, why don't we put all of your molecular problems online in a dozen languages and say, we pay for solutions. Well, they did that. And within months, 
They were getting people submitting solutions to their molecular problems, because let's face it, there's people all over the world, and they picked the ones that they liked and paid for them and ended up having a huge win out of that. So it was the real problem they had to hire all these people to come up with solving these molecular problems? No, the real problem was they needed to solve molecular problems and there's other ways to do it. By the way, that was so successful, it was written up in Harvard Business Review and now other companies have done that kind of thing as well. The point is, skip it. Let me give you another fun one, and this is really kind of neat. Many of us, I'm sure we've all seen the first Jaws movie and a great movie. And uh, they were having trouble filming Jaws. As a matter of fact, Jaws almost didn't happen. And the reason Jaws didn't happen almost was because all of the sharks that they made, the big, giant, great white shark, looked fake. They had trouble making it look real. And they were about ready to pull the plug until someone applied the skip it principle. And this is the other part of the skip it principle. Skip it all together. And so what did they do? They said, well, let's not show the shark. Let's have the camera underwater and have the people see what the shark is seeing and give them some scary music. By skipping the problem, the shark looks fake. They were able to create one of those fantastic classic movies that I bet most people have seen more than once. I use skip it all the time. Uh, it is probably uh, the companies, all of the hundreds of companies around the world that are using my anticipatory organization, anticipatory leader system, I uh, think skip it is one of their favorite ones. So what do you do with your problem? Let's either skip it altogether or look at how you can find out what the real one is. Dig down a little bit, what is causing it, and you'll get it. By the way, if funding is the problem, getting funding, that's not it. It's more about urgency. You're just not that urgent. That's why you can't get the money. You got to look at it, at what the real problem is. All right, let's let you ask me some others. Well, you talked about dynamic plans versus static plans, and we should always be somewhat in a planning phase, right? Because we have to be anticipatory to help us be even more successful. Could you dig a little deeper into that for us? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think the traditional way of planning is to have a two-year, three-year, four-year, five-year plan. Most of them are more like five-year plans. And then you spend your time executing it. And as a matter of fact, I know a lot of people that focus, it's all about execution. And I would say, well, you know what? Uh, all of the companies like uh, Hewlett Packard and Microsoft and others that have experienced big problems were executing a plan that became obsolete in the middle of the plan. So what we want to do is keep an, our opportunity antennas up, look for the new hard trends that are surfacing so that uh, we, and then revisit our plans to see if they're still relevant. And here's why, Ann, because we're doing things today that were impossible just two years ago. And by the way, we're gonna be doing things two years from now that are impossible today. The world is changing it beyond exponential levels. Uh, when COVID hit in uh, March of uh, uh, 2020, and I don't mean uh, COVID, it hit before that, but when the pandemic was officially named, a global pandemic, everyone locked down and went digital. And what did that do? Well, it drove cloud computing eight years in one year. 
It drove uh, e-commerce 10 years in one year. Let's face it, we weren't going to stores. Remember, the streets were empty. So we were all buying online like never before. That's what drove the cloud. That's what drove AI eight years in one year. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, telemedicine. You weren't going to the hospital. You were talking to the nurse and talking to the doctor on a, on a phone or video. That All of that stuff was available way before the pandemic. Remote working. That was, we could remote work remotely before the pandemic, but all of a sudden, whoosh, it zoomed out, literally, and Zoom did quite well with that. My point being, we went beyond exponential, and that exponential growth of those technologies, and by the way, I've got 25 key technologies that I track. The point <clears throat> I'm getting at is I want to revisit my plan often and make adjustments where necessary because execution is important, but I gotta make sure I'm not executing something that has been rendered obsolete or far less relevant because the reality is you're either gonna be more or less relevant from now on. There is no middle, you can't coast. You're either gonna be the disruptor or the disrupted. You can't coast. Well, you can coast, but you can only coast downhill and there's a bottom. So what would I like us to do? I'd like us as small business owners to become what I call positive disruptors, using the certainty of hard trends to make the bold move. Because if you don't, your competition will. Let's face it, we all think of disruption as negative. Why? Because it happens to us and now we've got to do something about it. But does Jeff Bezos, you know, founder of Amazon, does he see disruption as negative? No, it's all the people he's disrupting that see it as negative. You can do this. You can do this as a small business owner. I've done it and you can too. It's not about how smart you are or how much money you have. It's really more about uh, are you using the certainty of hard trends that give you low risk to do what you know will happen anyway? And when you look, use that, you can see disruption coming your way. And then what happens? Well, you can pass on it and let disruption happen and let your, you become disrupted. Or you can say, this is going to happen. And if I do these things, I can take advantage of it. I can make disruption and change my best friend. That's what becoming anticipatory is really all about. So if I were saying, hey, what is going to be coming? What's going to be a hard trend coming up that potentially could maybe disrupt me and what I'm doing in my industry? Where would I go or how would I look at that to really take that information and create an opportunity and an advantage for myself? Great question. Well, I can only do so much here. Obviously, it'd be great if you uh, read Anticipatory Organization or went to Burris.com and dug in a little deeper. But let me give you something that can help you right now in, uh, in coaching on that. So what I would suggest is, and, and as a matter of fact, let me give you a to-do right now. This is the action I would like you all to take. And I would like you to designate one hour a week as an opportunity manager, not a crisis manager. And I would like you to focus not on the present, but on the predictable future, on the future in that hour. By the way, a little coaching here I'll give, and that is if you don't put it in your planner as an appointment to yourself, it will not happen. It'll be too busy. 
just like the cab drivers and Marriott's and everyone else that missed the opportunity. This is about opportunity management. So in that hour that you designate, I want you to not look at all the things you aren't certain about. I want you to look at what are the hard trends, certainties that are going to impact my customer. What do I know is going to happen to my customer? Remember, use the three categories. Demographic shifts. How is that affecting them? Is their customer base changing? Is their employment changing? Are they, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Look at yourself and your own company and ask yourself, you know, we've got all these different generations who use technology different. They all have different expectations. Our customers think differently. Do I have a one size fit all strategy in place or have I done a little customizing for the different generations? Look at, uh, so look at the demographics, look for new regulations. We do have them. There's billions of dollars that have been put aside for regulations right now that you could tap into as a small business owner. You don't think you can, well, that's why you haven't. You could get a student to help you write a grant to end up getting money that you need. I mean, there's so many problems you could skip. It's amazing. So look at and look at technology. What are the technologies that are out there that are growing at beyond exponential rates? And thanks to technologies like virtualization, which let, makes me not have to own the technology, I can pay for its use. I could be using it as a small business owner. I use AI and uh, and to do things, and I, I pay very little for it. Why? Because I'm buying it as a service. Uh, if you wanted to create a blockchain, you know what? You don't have to hire programmers. You can get it as a service. Tell the people that do it for a living that have that service what you'd like to do, and they put it together for you. And uh, I had a friend of mine do that, and they disrupted the music industry by using blockchain as a way to pay musicians. And they did that within one week. So, and that, that was an individual. That was a person. That was a musician. So you can do this. So I'd like you to spend an hour a week, look at what are the hard trends and the opportunities that each one represents. You'll get a list, by the way. I'd also like you to look at what are the soft trends that may or may not happen, but they're in play, That uh, and what is the opportunity for me to move them, to do something with them, and put them in my favor. The third and last little element to that is, based on those hard trends, what are the predictable problems that my company, that I'm going to have? And then I'd like you to pre-solve them so you don't have those in the first place rather than let them pay off. So you'll get a list of opportunities out of that. You'll get a big list of opportunities. But big lists never get done. So what I'd like you to do is to boil it down because there's a lot of things you could do. You'll never get to that. There's a whole bunch of things you should do. You'll never get to that. You're too busy. I'd like you to have one thing that you determine you must do because it's going to happen anyway. And here's a big one. The cost of not doing it is far greater than the cost of doing it. Not just in dollars and cents, but in lost business, lost relevance lost competitive advantage. Pick one and make it happen. Why? Because if you don't, someone else will. And how do you pay for all of that? Well, start doing some problem skipping. There's all that. There's uh, actually I've got 28 strategies that I've used myself in uh, to be able to grow businesses rapidly. And I'm sharing them with you. And uh, these are some of the ones that I've shared in this uh, podcast so far. Wow, you are just a wealth of information, as I always have known that you are, for sure. So 
one of the interesting things is is that we look at I love the fact that you talk about skipping it and really the other aspect. I mean, some of these things are simple, but we've never really thought about it this way before. And what you think is the problem is really not the problem. It's something else. And just doing some of these simple ideas that you've shared, and it's not that they're they're easy to do necessarily, but they're, they're simple to implement and just never thought about these things in this way before. Hey, that's really not my problem. I think this is my problem. Well, that's really not it. So it really is the problem. And spending time really analyzing it. And I couldn't agree with you more, you know, putting an appointment in your calendar to work on your business and really pay attention to these hard trends and how you're going to react to things that are coming down the pipeline and take advantage of them is as important as an appointment with, you know, the best prospect that you might have or your best client that pays you the most money. So an appointment with yourself to do these things is extremely important if you want to take advantage of opportunities and be ahead of the game and be a leader in your business and really get the outcomes that you strive for. Exactly. Absolutely. And again, there's the remember the cost of the no. The cost of not doing it is important because most of us, we look at the cost of doing something and that ends up being the barrier. So uh, one of the principles I teach, another principle is opposites work better. So instead of just looking at the cost of the yes, I'm going to I'm going to pursue this. Look at the cost of the no. What happens if you don't pursue it? And again, look at your brand, look at relevance, look at awareness, look at competitive advantage. Uh, look at sales, look at all those things, and you'll start saying, wow, the cost of the no far exceeds the cost of the yes. It helps me move forward. It helps my people get excited. And as the leader of a small business, regardless of your size, whether you're small, medium, or large, as a leader, how do you get people to really take action on new initiatives, to really move forward? And uh, the uh, the way to do that is to use the power of certainty as a leader. Instead of saying things that are debatable, sharing your opinion, which, by the way, might be debatable, start speaking more in what I call future facts that are undeniable truths. When you hear them, you know it will happen. It will be true. And that takes a little uh, time and effort to uh, to kind of get that handle on that. But that's another thing you learn from studying hard trends and certainty. And I'll give you one more uh, quick example of most of us think we're just don't have time to innovate and or we don't have the budget and let me just give you a personal example uh back when i was writing not my uh last book anticipatory organization but the one before that flash foresight and the subtitle of that was how to see the invisible and do the impossible and delivered on that one i was in new york times wall street journal amazon bestseller what i did was as i was writing it during the recession back in 2008 2009 and i thought to myself why don't I apply the principles of the book to starting a business uh, to see how good the book is? So I did that with two rules. One, I wouldn't spend any money. And number two, I wouldn't hire any employees. By the way, while I did that, I was what you'd call pretty occupied. I mean, I gave 100 speeches that year around the world. I was consulting uh, with major companies. I was writing the book Flash Foresight. I was writing two articles, blogs a week, publishing them. And here I am starting a company. 
how could I do that? Well, I can because I skipped a whole lot of problems. For example, how did I hire people? Well, I skipped that. I didn't hire anybody. What I did was obviously, uh, and by the way, let me tell you what I did very quickly. I created the first mobile real estate apps. Um, and uh, they, one was, actually I did a threefer because it was the same technology. I created uh, something called Complete Foreclosures, another one, Complete Homes, another one, Complete Rentals. And when I launched them on uh, in the Apple Store back in uh, before 2010, and by the way, they were uh, I did some first. I was the first one to not charge for the download, but to make the download free. And uh, what I did was I charged real estate agents $24.95 a month to have an exclusive zip code in the app. By the way, all, uh, when all those zip codes were gone, that was $1.6 million in recurring revenue. Just a little side note there. We were the sixth most downloaded uh, app within the first week in the store. Why? Because I skipped advertising. What did I do? I created a news story, which is free, and submitted it to the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, because I was disrupting real estate and got in there. And uh, the next week I was on Fox Business, uh, free, all free. National advertising. Wow, worked out great. Uh, how did I get it programmed? I was too busy to program it. Well, I called the local university. I skipped it. Called the unit, local university, asked for the computer department, asked for the head of the department, and I said, I'd like the name of a undergraduate who is getting a degree in, uh, in software design that is smarter than all the teachers. And he said, oh, you mean Steve? And I said, yeah, Steve. So I got a hold of Steve, and I said, what are you doing to make money on the side? And he said, I'm programming websites. And I said, boy, I bet you're bored. And he said, yeah, I've been doing it since I was in middle school. And I said, how'd you like to develop a new mobile app that's never been done before? And he said, cool. And I said, well, my rule is I can't pay you. However, I will give you a percent of profit for the first three years if it's successful. He said, I'm in. That's, by the way, how I got my employees without having employees, without paying them a wage. I could go on and on and on. But the point is, this got to be very big and today, when you use Zillow, you're using the underlying software that uh, systems that we develop. So what's my point here? I did problem skipping. I used hard trend certainty. I knew there was going to be a mobile real estate app. And if I didn't do it, someone else would. And I used all the principles of my, my, that I teach. And I did it in a time where it looks like I would have no time to do that. So that means maybe you listening right now have far more time to do something very positively disruptive that uh, than you think. Just think a little different. Instead of being a crisis manager, be an opportunity manager. Instead of being a reactionary company and then a reactionary leader reacting to all the changes come from the outside, why don't you come become an anticipatory leader, an anticipatory organization that uses the forces of change, those hard trends to your advantage. I love that story. That's amazing. I actually didn't know that as many times as we've hung out together. I didn't really know the details of that story. So I appreciate you sharing that for sure. And I believe also on your website, Burris.com forward slash see the future, there is a trends technology shaping report that they can yeah get. yeah let me, let me just describe what that is so and yeah. make sure you know it's it's a us at the end so it's b-u-r-r-u-s forward slash see the future and it's a free report uh there are 25 
technologies that are the hard trend technologies that are shaping the future. I just I don't just have a list. I describe what they do and how they work and give you a little examples. And what I'd like you to do is you can download that report without having to pay any money at all and use that in your one hour and just ask yourself, just look through it and find, is there one thing in there that might be useful for you? And remember, you don't have to own it. You probably could get it as a service and uh, you'll see yourself moving forward in amazing new ways. So check that out. Yeah, so that's Burris, B-U-R-R-U-S dot com forward slash see the future for this great report. And I love the idea of including that in the one hour a week. Also, I think you mentioned also government regulations, and I think that's an underthought about underutilized potential resource for people to also be spending their one hour a week into really researching what might be there for opportunities for them as well. Absolutely. And as a matter of fact, I'll guarantee you, your competitors probably aren't even thinking about that one. And one of the things that I've found to be successful as an entrepreneur and business owner is to not do what the competition is doing, to do what they're not seeing. So I've just made an invisible opportunity very visible for you. That is a really good one. Awesome. Anything else that you think is important for us to know? I know you have lots of great information. Anything that comes to mind? Yeah, let me just say that there is more opportunity right now to not just change, but to truly transform your every business process, product and service that's out there. The, uh, there, the hard trends at play mean it will happen. That's a hard trend. All these transforming how we sell, how we market, how we communicate, how we collaborate, how we innovate, not just change, but to transform those things, the tools, many of them are even free to do it are right there. So that's a hard trend. So what is the soft trend? Will you do it? Well, I don't know, I can't predict that. That's up to you. You're the one that'll have to take action. I know it'll happen. I know somebody's gonna do it in your industry, maybe one of your competitors, because if it can be done, it will be done. I would like you to be the one to do it. So instead of putting it off, I would get your calendar out, and mark down a date right now where you're gonna spend that hour as a as a anticipatory leader where you're going to uh you know to take action on this and i know that we have a lot of headwinds we got a lot of problems in the world we got all these things all these uncertainties um, maybe a recession or not we don't know we got all this stuff coming up and again things i don't know for sure don't empower me i want things i do know because those things i can act on try it you'll be amazed well, you are amazing, Dan, and I truly appreciate you sharing your valuable time with us and all the great ideas and content. Well, you're more than welcome, and I'm excited for uh, the people listening to this to take action on these. I am as well, and I can't wait to hear the results from some of the people who have listened to this and what they actually did to take advantage of the opportunities and transform their business into something that they maybe didn't even know was possible. Excellent. Well, my hope for our time together with Dan is that you got a lot of value and at least one great idea or maybe two or three that will help you be even more successful professionally and personally. You know, the number one reason why people don't get what they really want is a lack of accountability. We all can use accountability in our life to help us get to where we ultimately want to go. If you'd like to create your ideal business and ideal life, 
reach out to me today and schedule your complimentary consultation. Feel free to share my podcast with others, as it can be found on most podcast platforms and in most English-speaking countries, and of course, at accountabilitycoach.com. And if you'd like to get a short daily fix from me, subscribe to the Accountability Minute, which can also be found on most podcast platforms and in most English-speaking countries. And remember to subscribe to my Proven Business Success Resources and Tips blog by going to accountabilitycoach.com forward slash blog. And always aim for what you want each and every day. Until next time, make it a great day. Today and every day. I appreciate you listening. So one of the places that you can utilize your one hour a week is by going to Dan's website. It's Burris, B-U-R-R-U-S dot com forward slash see the future. He has a report there about the most influential technology trends that are shaping every year. So please take advantage of this free report and utilize your one hour every week by looking through that and really thinking about ways that you can take advantage of what he's talked about and be even more successful and probably even quicker than maybe you thought was possible.